Hello, and welcome back to the Punt Return podcast. I am your host, Nick Splitter, once again, joined by our new co-host in his second week on the show, Ryan Lepore. Lepper, thanks for joining, mate. How are you feeling about uh, about week one? Oh, mate, it was absolutely brutal. That's the word that comes to mind for me immediately. Um, our picks were about as good as my audio last week. And um, <laughs> just to rub salt into the wound, unfortunately, um, Darren Waller, who I said last week that I'd be sitting back with a win on my, under my belt watching Monday Night Football, I forgot that Darren Waller is my tight end. So I needed him to get 19 points in fantasy. Um, he obviously fell just short of that. He got 160, um, 16.5 points. So he fell about no. 25 yards short. No. Um, so I did promise Gunner a shout out to his team, the MDTF football team. Um, what, does it, what does that stand for? If you're going to shout uh, out, he, you got to tell us what it stands yeah, for. Yeah, so he's a big Kanye fan. So it's my um, – actually, I might not even be saying that right, is it? Um, I don't know what the B stands for, but it's like Dark Twisted Fantasy football team. But um, he'll kill me for not knowing that. But um, Gunner, yeah, get better. He, get he better, had mate. pick 10, so he had the last pick, and he knocked me off um, in week one with uh, – yeah. um, but, you know, that's a whole other point. We could, we could talk fantasy all day, but um, – <laughs> A lot of week, a lot of learnings from week one, as always, and um, yeah, super pumped for um, week two. But I think your old sparring partner Josh Wise said it best. Um, just remind us not to ever bet on week one in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I remember thinking that, and I, I think we spoke about that about probably not having too many bets in, in week one because it is the hardest, probably the hardest week of the season outside of maybe the last week of the regular season when there's a lot of rested yep. and and waiting to see who's in and who's out. But um, it is a real tough one. But uh... As Eddie McGuire used to say on, on the footy show here in Australia, it's been a big week in football. And... Trevor Lawrence may have suffered his first ever regular season defeat. He was unbeaten in the regular season in high school, unbeaten in the regular season in college, but it was still rookie week in week one. Jamar Chase, Devonna Smith, Kenneth Gainwell, Trey Lance, Eli Mitchell, Zach Wilson, Matt Jones, Jalen Waddell, Justin Fields, all on the scoreboard. And uh, there were some disappointing performances from the likes of the Green Bay Packers, Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, punters scratching their heads. Slepper, what do you, how, I mean, were those, were those the ones that let you down last week? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the Packers <clears throat> uh, let us both down with the overs there, but just the way they performed. I mean, the fact they only got three points on the board, Aaron Rodgers probably put in his worst uh, worst performance of his career, arguably. It was just um, it was just all went wrong for the Packers. They definitely looked unprepared and uninterested, didn't they? So hard to know what to make of that. The Titans were obviously blown out as well. Um, I give them a pass mark just for the fact of their they had their COVID issues just before the regular season kicked off. But uh, the Bills, I know we were head to head last week. I liked the Bills at the minus. You liked the Steelers at the plus, and you got the chocolates there. Um, the Bills jumped down to that ten nil lead, but then the style, uh, Steelers D just took over. So yeah, look, um, they were the probably the the three key disappointments, I suppose. Um, we'll touch on a couple others other in a minute, but I know you were keen to pump up the Aussies, especially your boys in Philly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Jordan Mailata and Aaron Sipos, both uh, both real strong performances for the Eagles, for, for my boys, which I was really happy with. Um, obviously, the, the Seahawks pro bowl punter, Michael Dixon, uh, four or five inside the 20. And uh, unfortunately, Adam Gotsis inactive for the Jaguars. It'd be good to see him this year. I think 
you know, by all reports at the end of last season was, was looking to take some, some steps forward in his career. And it's, uh, it's a shame that he's uh, inactive at the moment, but hopefully we get to see him in the not too distant future. Um, on the Steelers, uh, just while I've got you there, I, yeah, I was glad to get one over you early. It's, it's always good to get one on the board, but uh, I just can't see too many too many teams blowing them out, you know, winning by more than a touchdown against that Steelers D. And uh, again, like you said, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. But we, we spoke about week one bets and, and going the overs, but scoring was not at a premium as, as we anticipated. Some of those predicted high-octane games didn't live up to expectation. But again, before we get too far into that stuff, um, remember to follow the podcast on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook, Punt Return Podcast, and we're on Instagram at NFL Podcast. I am, of course, at Nick Splitter, Ryan at Ryan Lapore. Get on social media and join the conversation each week because it, it really does keep us going. It gives us something to do during the week. It gives us... Um, you know, a benchmark of and keeps us accountable every week with with the bets. Um, so it does keep us going. The engagement with with you guys, with the listeners, is is rad. We just want more and more each week. So if you like the show, make sure to tag your mates on whatever platform it is. Um, give us a review on iTunes or on Facebook or both, whatever floats your boat. But as much as possible, as long as it's five stars. If it's less than that, don't bother. You can fuck off. Um, but generally, just just keep being legends and come chat with us about all things football. But, uh, mate, some talking points from, from week one. What have you got for us? Yeah, look, I, th- I think the status quo was kind of retained. Uh, despite being challenged mentally in their respective games, uh, both last year's Super Bowl teams, the Bucks and the Chiefs, just showed their class and, and suggested that they, of course, be the teams to beat in their respective conferences once again. Um, the other little talking point for me was um, one you've already mentioned, the scoring and, and, and the unders really taking over this in, the, in week one. Um, and then just some unbelievable individual performance, like Jameis Winston obviously throwing those five touchdowns, Kyler Murray, and then obviously on the defensive end, the Steelers as a whole, but of course Chandler Jones for the Cardinals with five five sacks, uh, three of them in the first quarter. So that was some way to start the season. Um, and that's, yeah, like I said, that Steelers defense. Um, and the Niners even showed a bit of a glimpse of their 2019 um, self before just capitulating against the Lions, but we'll get into that a bit later. Anything for you, mate? Oh, look, I think, yeah, I think that's probably a good lead in. We've got a question from, from Jamin Fenton who, uh, who says that Daniel Jones is still the same quarterback. The Eagles should never have been underdogs against Atlanta and and Jameis Winston won't have a better game for the year. I mean, it's hard. Jameis Winston had a good game. I mean, five touchdowns is a great game for, for any quarterback. I think any quarterback would take that any week of the season, but I mean, it wasn't a perfect game. I think, what what did he throw for? Yeah, I, I mean, he, you know, he 148, was 40, 148 yards on, yeah, on 14, 14 of 20, uh, completions. Yeah, I, so, you know, it wasn't wasn't a great game by in, in, in that stretch. Um, but, I mean, you're not going to turn down five touchdowns. He probably won't throw five, ta- five tutties, you know, too many times this season. But you have to imagine that, that he'll throw for more than 150 yards most weeks. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's a... It's an interesting one watching Jameis Winston throughout the year. Um, Daniel Jones, another one of those quarterbacks that there are always question marks about. And I think we've probably seen enough of Daniel Jones, you know, like Jameis said, to know who who he is now. We know who Daniel Jones is. We know what to expect. Um, he's not going to be that elite QB one that that we might have expected coming out of college, and and um, you know that, that the Giants would have liked to see. But I think we know who he is, what to expect from him. And the Eagles, I mean, that was one of my things. I, I don't bet on my Eagles, but I can talk about them and ask some questions. Did we learn anything from from that opener against the Falcons? I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, the Falcons are not 
you know, the benchmark of, of the league these days. And we know they can put up some points occasionally, but again, they're not consistent. They've lost um, Julio Jones, obviously. Um, and we know that their defense is, is questionable at best. Do you think that we learned too much about the Eagles this week? Oh, look, uh, without being given too much away, I think I think we did. Um, just the way they went about it. Um, I was pretty pretty bullish on the Eagles. Uh, not that I was bullish on Eagles week one. I thought they'd lose. But after seeing what they did to the Falcons, and, and like you said, I know they didn't play much, and, and the Falcons will definitely be one of the, the worst teams in the NFC again this year. But, um, yeah, I think the Eagles can make real strides, um, which might put a smile to your face, mate. But we, we can touch on that when, when we get to the game preview. Um, I know, yeah, in terms of the most disappointment, I know one of the other questions from um, one of our listeners was Patrick Hogan asked us who we were most disappointed in. And it's hard to go past the Packers for mine. Um, and I think you're pretty pretty much in the same boat. Yeah, I agree. I, I was expecting a lot more from, from the Packers. I thought they were going to get better on defense. I thought they were going to stay, you know, really dynamic on offense. And, and that was a really disappointing game. I, I think that that's you know, potentially not how we see them play out the year. I think they have to get better and I think that they will get better. Um, Tennessee and, and Jacksonville were also up there in terms of the biggest disappointments for different reasons. I think, you know, we, we all thought that, uh, you know, we spoke about the, the scoring and, and going the overs. I think that that Cards-Titans game was a, a, a primo matchup for the overs uh, for a number of reasons. And, and, you know, the Cardinals potentially not being that flash against the run uh, and obviously the Titans offense over the last, two years being really dynamic and athletic um, and, and powerful, you know, especially on the ground game. Um, thought that was a, a real opportunity for a, a premium matchup on offense. And, and we didn't quite get that, um, obviously. And, and Jacksonville, I thought, you know, it was was a real good time to, to see some of that development over the, the preseason. Um, obviously, you know, number one draft pick QB, um, another year of development into into guys like um, James Robinson and and Lavisca Chenault and and those types of guys and and against a defense in Houston that really is you know, probably the worst in the league uh, both on the ground and in the air uh, and, and I just thought that in in that regard Jacksonville were, were really disappointing. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they're probably the standouts, and it, it's a good segue into um, Matt Zemek's question uh, on Twitter as well. Um, which week one results feel like the most outlier, uh, the most like outliers, and and who are the true indicators? So, for me, obviously, one of those games was the New Orleans Green Bay game, and the other was Arizona versus Tennessee, which you've touched on both of them. Um, two two blowouts, the the two biggest margins across week one, um, other than the Philly Falcons game, but. Yeah, the way the way those games panned out, I don't think anyone really saw coming. We we probably had them as high scoring shootouts. They both actually failed to cover the overs, um, which we'll get to in a second when we review our bets, um, which was pretty heartbreaking for myself. Um, but Jackson and Houston, Jacksonville and Houston as well was probably that other one. But for the on trend ones, I thought the Rams and the Bears played out probably not exactly how I thought, but it was pretty on trend of what I thought would happen in terms of the, the Rams would come out and, and put a big buckle load of points on the, on the bears and, and really make a, make a statement. Um, Kansas city and Cleveland, I think that was a really true indication of a two really, really good AFC teams and, and, and a matchup we could potentially even see in the AFC championship. And then the other one, I thought Baltimore um, Raiders was probably a, a true indication of where those teams are at. I don't think, just after all those um, those injuries, I don't think the Ravens are quite going to be where they 
where I thought they would be. Um, I said last week on this show before we found the <laughs> found out about Marcus Peters and um, and Gus Edwards and uh, um, yeah, I thought that'd be a wild card team, but I'm really kind of um, thinking that might not be the case now, especially how their defense performed against a, a Raiders um, passing unit. Who, um, while they're good, they're certainly not elite. So um, yeah, a bit of a worry on the on the Ravens, and I think the Raiders are going to be that that 500 team again. So that was kind of a true indication for me as well in, in terms of week one. Did you have any any difference to those? Yeah, I, I'm pretty similar. I, I agree with with a lot of those. And and thanks to, to Matt again for his question. I mean, Matt's a, Matt's a, a very loyal listener and, and has always been a, a big supporter of, of this program and, and a, a noted journalist in, in the States uh, on his own right. So we might have to get him on a on the show one week to, to give us his thoughts, maybe in, in some of the bye weeks, we'll, we'll get Matt on the, on the show and, and talk some football. But yeah, I mean, I had some, some outliers. I thought Tennessee can't be that bad again. I, I think that was maybe a week one, you know, some, some rust there. And like you said earlier, you know, the, the COVID um, availability in the, the two or three weeks prior to, to that, that season opener for, for the Titans, might have had an impact. It probably did. Um, I, I was still bullish. I still thought that they were athletic and, and powerful enough for it not to matter as much, but but clearly it was an issue and, and there are some other issues there in, in Tennessee. By the looks, I thought Green Bay, again, you know, we've spoken about them. I was expecting a lot more from them, especially in, in such a big matchup to, to open the season. Um, Houston, I thought, w- were quite impressive, but I can't see that. I can't see that type of football hanging around for, for the majority of the season, just looking at their roster. I mean, they just don't have enough talent for that to be a true indication of, of where they're at. And I think it just happened to be against a, you know, a, what is essentially a new team. They've got a, a, a new head coach. They've got a new quarterback still figuring things out in Jacksonville, obviously. And, and I think that that was probably an outlier in terms of true indicators. I thought Dallas kind of showed us who they are. And, you know, I think on offense, we know that with Dak there leading the charge, that, that they're a real force to be reckoned with on offense. And again, they've got some issues on defense and, and they showed that. I mean, Tom Brady is what, 87 and still put up four touchdowns um, and 300 plus passing yards. Um, Pittsburgh, I think, got back to being the bullies on defense that that we know that they can be. And I think that that's who they are. And, and I think that they'll continue to show that. And Arizona, uh, we, we spoke about them briefly in, in in last week's episode about what the expectations were on on them this year, and I think this is they've, they've now set that benchmark for, for the Cardinals moving forward. They've shown us what they can do. We know we know how talented they are on offense. We know that there's some some really good players on defense, and Chandler Jones has been around that you know defensive player of the year mark for for a while now, and and just kind of reiterated that and 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 put his name back into that conversation with uh, with some of those other big name guys like the Aaron Donalds and and. TJ Watt and, and those types of guys and, and just said, you know, don't forget about me. Don't, don't sleep on this uh, Cardinals defense. And um, we know what that Titans offense can do when they're fit and healthy. So, you know, it was a bit of a, uh, a shot across the, across the bow from the Arizona Cardinals. And, and uh, like I said, that's the benchmark, I think for the cards for the rest of this season, um, they're going to lose some games that they probably shouldn't. I think that they'll shock some teams that they probably are not expected to, but um you know, I, I think that they're a wild card team, and uh, you know, I think that's that's how they've got to play for the rest of this year. Um, but let's uh, let's get into some of the the detail stuff. And, and looking at our, our bets last week, it uh, wasn't a great week to to say the absolute least. I went zero and three on best, and 
Ryan, you at one and two. Uh, both player props that, that we identified, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Alvin Kamara, got up fairly easily, which uh, which put a bit of a, a shine on the weekend for us. But like you mentioned before, we were let down big time by the Packers. Fitz, big Fitz's injury um, took a bit of that gloss off, mate. How, yeah, yeah, it didn't didn't help. We, we were sitting pretty at halftime when he just before he went down just before the half, but we were still on track at halftime with twenty two points in the match and our line being forty four. So, um, and then an early touchdown, I thought we were really on um, once Washington hit the lead, and and from there, um, Justin Herbert just controlled the clock once he got in front and. We'll talk about that a bit later, but yeah, that was that was a disappointing result, um, falling just over a touch or just on a touchdown short. So um, disappointing way to start for us with our lock of the week, especially considering I took that off you. But in saying that, the other one didn't salute either. So um, yeah, it, it was disappointing week one, but like I said, we're ready to bounce back for week two. So um, the player props, again, like you mentioned, Hard to find this early in the week. We're recording on a Wednesday night. Um, they're up for Thursday night football, but it's tough to find find any player props for the for the Monday night games. Only a handful are kind of out, and um, we had to scour the, the US books um, in Vegas to find them. But um, we know obviously the the Aussie books take the majority of lines from Vegas anyway, so it's pretty much a copy and paste job for those boys. Um, having both <laughs> worked in the industry, we know how they roll. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think you know it is it is important to remember. You know, as punters listening to this show, whenever it is, whether it's you know as soon as it goes up on a you know late on a Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, or whether you're listening on a Sunday afternoon before uh, those Sunday night games, um, that that we are recording on a Wednesday night, and all these lines and, and plays are subject to change. We'll, we'll try and give as much detail as we can without you know running for four and a half hours. But um, just remember that these lines are are subject to change, and and um, you know we'll try and give you as up-to-date information as possible. And, and obviously as things change, we'll try and jump on Twitter and, and update some stuff if, if we can, but uh, let's get stuck into week two. And, and we've got Thursday night football, New York giants at the Washington football team, Washington favorites, the three point line, the total is 40 points and a half really interesting way to start the weekend. It's not the sort of game that you expect to see in prime time in, in a week two, kind of slot. Um, this line actually opened it at three and a half and I was going to pass with Fitz out like, like you touched on earlier. Um, but I'm still confident that Washington are, are at least a field goal better team than the Giants with or without uh, Fitz magic. And, and yeah, it would have been a, a definite play at the two and a half, the minus two and a half for Washington. But for now, it's a small play with that line at the three and a half, hoping for, uh, sorry, at the three, um, hoping for a push at the worst. Uh, but I'm hoping that Taylor Heineke can build some rapport with Terry McLaurin, with Antonio Gibson. If that happens sooner rather than later, I mean, we don't know yet how long Fitz is going to be out. They're saying at least three weeks, but it you know, could quite easily be six or seven or even more, um, given he's a, an old man and it's an old man injury. But, you know, if that happens, then, then the, the football team could be in for a big win here. I'm not sure that the Giants can score much against Chase Young and the Washington defense, um, that total has also come in from 42 and a half to 40 and a half. So I'm going to leave that as is, as is, um, as of Wednesday night, like we said before, a little play on Washington, the line Washington minus three. How about you, mate? Yeah. As you said, I mean, the lines are so fluid. They move around even from, from yesterday when we first looked at our bets, um, they've already moved as you said, you've already touched on. It was three and a half. And the money might have come for the Giants um, for for that reason that Fitzmagic is out. I mean, um, they're saying six to eight weeks 
for Fitzpatrick. So, so to lose him for almost half a season um, is, is a bit of blow, definitely. But behind their defence, I think Washington bounced back and uh, they bounced back strongly. Um, they showed enough, I think, even with Henneke at, in a quarterback last week against a pretty good Chargers team. Um, they had a really good chance to win that game in the last quarter, as I mentioned just before. But Herbert came up um, too clutch in the last quarter. But I think they're built for success, the football team. And um, from what I saw of the Giants, it's enough to convince me that they're a far better prospect going forward than, than the G-men. Um, the Giants' big Achilles heel last year was their offense. They ranked 31st in points per game. And again, they showed nothing in week one. And um, other than a junk time touchdown to Daniel Jones, they would have only scored seven points. So I think that Denver D is, is really great. But um, as, as you touched on and um, what one of our listeners touched on earlier is, is Jones could be the issue and, and why. I mean, he was he fumbled when the game was still well and truly alive. It was his 40th turnover in only 27 career starts, if you can believe that. And he's still still um, looking like he's got pretty good job security there in New York. But um, Barkley looked a bit slow certainly not his explosive self coming from an ACL injury. So you can understand that, but um, yeah, he didn't, didn't quite look um, ready, I suppose. Um, I know he didn't have too many preseason snaps, but um, yeah, I think the Giants are definite avoids in the early part of the season. And I think the, the minus three is a decent bet. Not a game I'm overly excited about though. Um, and if the line stays at three minus three, I think it is worth a small play. Um, but um, it also, Brings up my favourite prop bet of the of the week, um, and I think they're just going to lean on the Washington uh, Washington to lean on the run. So, so Antonio Gibson's line of sixty eight and a half yards, which I just found on with tab, it's actually a couple of points lower than than sports bets got him at seventy and a half. So, um, if you're listening to this early um, tomorrow morning, or I should say early Thursday morning, um, you can find that find that um, that line of sixty eight and a half. I'm really Really thinking that's a good play because he'll get his 20 touches as he did last week at least. Um, so he's only needing to really carry for three and a bit, three and a half yards um, per carry. And and um, the Giants allowed uh, Melvin Gordon and um, Jamal Williams last week to, to uh, average over six yards per carry. So um, I think it's a good play in that one. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the... Uh... On, on Washington leaning on the run game. I've also got a couple of props that are kind of found around the, the traps. Antonio Gibson, like like you mentioned, if you can get on a, a decent line for, for Gibson's run yards, I think that's that's pretty tempting, like you said. But um, Antonio Gibson, $6.50 for first touchdown. Uh, $2 if you want to play it safe for the anytime touchdown. And Tyler Heineke, Heineke, whatever it is, I've got Heineken on the mind, but um, anytime touchdown, on the ground, that is five dollars. Um, had twenty-two rushing touchdowns in his college career, and while it's not a big sample size, thirteen attempts in in the pros um, averages six yards per carry on thirteen attempts for about seventy-two yards total. So he can run. He's he has a athletic. I know when he was in college, he um you know he played some some running back as well. He uh, played some punter and kicker and and played some special teams as well. So he's got a few strings to his bow. You got anything to to add to that, mate? Yeah, and I was just going to add, I really like that. Um, and it was one of the plays I was tempted to um, look at as well was him to rush over 19 and a half yards, which seems like a small line. Hugh Scampers, and he'll get that, I think, um, and hopefully into the end zone for yourself. But perhaps we come up with some sort of same game multi for our listeners by the end of the show to, to roll on. And um, and we will tweet that out, I'd say, before Thursday night's, um, or before Friday morning's game, perhaps. So um, leave that with us to, to sort something out for you. Beautiful. That's a, that's a good point. Leave it with us on Twitter and, and make sure that you're following us to, to see that same game 
multi before uh, Friday morning's kickoff. But uh, into the next game, we've got the Las Vegas Raiders at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh minus five and a half. The total is 46 and a half. And this Steelers defense is back to their menacing best. And, and with that much talent on the defensive side of the ball, it's hard to imagine too many teams blowing them out on any given week. I know it's only a small sample size, but Pittsburgh starts out the season the top five DVOA defenses, according to Football Outsider. Number one in Dave, D-A-V-E, uh, which stands for DVOA adjusted for volatility early. And, and this rating is used early in the year by Football Outsiders, combining early season DVOA ratings with preseason DVOA projections and, and that DVOA like I touched on last week is all about uh, I guess efficiency and, and efficiency on every single play each and every single play um, by every team every player uh, so Dave uh, number one in Dave goes a long way to predicting the the efficiency of a defense over the course of the season um, there's definitely some growing pains in the offense in Pittsburgh Najee Harris and the Steelers rush attack ranked just 25th for efficiency um, but I think that I think that they get it rolling soon I mean he's big enough, he's strong enough, he's athletic enough and, and dynamic enough. And and he'll work it out. I think they'll work it out. Their O-line's pretty good. Um, that that offensive line will start to flourish. This rookie will have some room to move. Uh, big Ben will have some relief through the air because you know, opposition defenses won't be able to, to pick what they're doing um, every single play, which you know over the last, I guess, 18 months, they probably have because there's literally been zero run game in Pittsburgh. So you know that Ben was going to throw it um, and and they've been able to match up pretty well. Uh, opposing defense have been able to match up pretty well on, on that offense. But the Raiders stuck it out through overtime and, and came up with some big stops late on Lamar and, and Baltimore's offense. I'm just not sure that it says a lot just yet about either of those two teams. Um, I mean, despite putting up 33 points, the black and silver ranked just 21st in offensive efficiency, which is a real worry once again for, for John Gruden's team. I know that it's something that has bit them in the butt a few times over the last couple of years. We, we spoke about their kind of consistent inconsistency last week. Um, and, and I think that this is just a, a real good example of, of how that works in, in Las Vegas. For this game specifically, this line opened at six and a half. It's coming to five and a half. As of Wednesday night, time of recording, I think the Steelers are at least a touchdown better team than the Raiders, but you never know with the Raiders, and that's that's one of the question marks. But despite the trend moving towards the Raiders, I'll, I'll be playing the Steelers line here. I think the, the total opened at 49.5, has come into 46.5, which I won't be playing. I can't play that um, anyway with, with these two teams. But if it does move out back to about that 48, 48 and a half or, or more mark, then I'll, I'll have a little play there too. But I think the play here for me is Pittsburgh minus five and a half. What have you got in this one? Yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. And it was nice to see you ride your Steelers home last week. Um, obviously, <laughs> it was, like, we it was the only on, one. On, it was the only one yeah, for opposite, me last week. We were so. on opposite sides. Um, and I was up and about early when the Bills led 10 and 0. I'm like, here we go. How good is this? Showing Nick how it's done. And then it just <laughs> went, to, went AWOL from there. But um, yeah, obviously that defense, like we touched on, came alive. Three sacks, four forced fumbles. Um, only one was recovered though. But um, yeah, your man TJ Watt, five quarterback hits early. Um early in the season, I should say, then Mika Fitzpatrick was everywhere as he always is. And they're obviously again going to be a problem um, and outscored the Bills 23-6 in the second half with um, Ben even recording under 200 yards. So that's a pretty impressive way to start for the Steelers. Um, that huge high of winning on Monday Night Football for the Raiders at home in front of their fans for the first time. Um, I think that's um, that's one of the, the issues for the Raiders is that it's going to just fall flat. I mean, 
Um, like you said, we, we've spoken about the consistent inconsistency. And I think, unfortunately, um, what happens in, in Derek Carr's career is if he wins one, he looks great. He usually flops the week after. And I'm a big Derek Carr fan, but I don't see him having the same success as he did against that Ravens defense against the Steelers this week. So I'm with you, mate. Pittsburgh minus five and a half looks a nice play. So, um, and, and very more and a lot more confident now that it's even come in from that minus six and a half. So, um, yeah, I think that's a nice play. Beautiful. We're on the same page early, and uh, we'll talk more about the Baltimore Ravens uh, a little bit later on. But uh, the next game, Cincinnati at Chicago. The line is Chicago minus three, and the total 45 and a half. The li- this line actually opened at three and a half, has come into a flat three. The total has stayed static at 45 and a half over the last 24 or 48 hours. I really liked Joey B's comeback game last week, and I'm really keen to see him continue that development. It's a tough one this week, though, against that solid defense that you know, Chicago has that unpredictable offense as well. You're never quite sure what you're going to get out of them. There's some talent there, but they're very unpredictable and, and inconsistent again. I mean, Andy Dalton might straighten that up a little bit. He's probably less inconsistent than the likes of Mitch Trubisky and, and Nick Foles we've seen in, in recent times. But in the Windy City, um, up against that Chicago defense, uh, it's a no play for me. There is a, a prop that I don't mind in, in this one. Uh, Joe Mixon, 23 and a half receiving yards going the over there. Um, I think, you know, in, in in Chicago, where it is windy and blustery that um, Joey Burrow might uh, might look to dump off to, to Joe Mixon a few times um, for the same reason, look at some of the, uh, the tight end props as well. But Joe Mixon averages 23 receiving yards a game over his career. Um, and you have to have to keep in mind that in probably half, if not more, of those games that he's been playing banged up and and not healthy and not fit, and and he's had some big receiving games, and, and I think this could be another one. Um, how are you feeling about the uh, the Bengals and the Bears, Ryan? Yeah, so this is a play for me this game, but um, we'll just touch on a few things. Uh, Andy Dalton, obviously, against his former team, um, he did already play uh, the Bengals last year when he was with the Cowboys. Uh, he won that game thirty to seven, so. A comfortable win, but um, yeah, I don't see him having the same success this time around. I mean, I know you're still bullish on the Bears a little bit in terms of their defense, but early signs look to be um, that this. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see the more from more of the same from Matt Nagy um, and and how they how they use Justin Fields. I don't think it looks like that he's going to change quarterbacks at this stage. Um, again, we're only on Wednesday night, so that the game early Monday morning, things could change. Um, Justin Fields potentially getting the getting the nod um, just because Andy Dalton, he only attempted three passes over 10 yards. Um, one of them was picked. Um, that was from a tip though, but, and another was in a late fourth and fifth, uh, fourth and 15 situation. So I don't think there's any faith in that offensive line that um, of the bears and, and probably why they're keeping Justin Fields protected at this stage on the sidelines. Um, but is it a sign that they're not here to win here and now? I'm not, I'm not too sure, but I mean, it's early signs and they've played a really great team first up in the Rams. So, as I said, I think their de- defense, though, is trending a bit downwards to my eye. Khalil Mack isn't the same force he once was. We saw Kyle Fuller do some great things um, on the Broncos' D just last week. Um, and it, it was really the whole Chicago front seven was Roquan Smith playing a lone hand and, and doing it all. So, yeah, I'm not not sold on that Bears defense. And um, since he showed last week that they can be a pretty explosive offense, um, Joe Burrow looked fantastic in his return. We saw what a healthy Joe Mixon can do. So they're going to be a good watch this season, even um, even if they're not going to win as many games as 
um, as, as others, they're still going to be a lot of fun to watch. And my only thoughts are though, that this line looks a low for two defenses that again, are going to struggle, but um, whether or not these offenses can find enough production to hit the overs remains to be seen. But I reckon that line at 45 and a half points is low enough. So it's a little small play for me at the overs. Um, so yeah, over 40, 40, over 45 and a half for me, Nick. Yeah, look, I, I don't mind it. I, I know that I'm a little more bullish on the uh, the Chicago D than, than you are. And, and for what it's worth, to, to back up your point, uh, after week one, Chicago are ranked dead last in defensive efficiency. Uh, I think 31st in the passing game and 28th or something in the, on the ground game. So, you know, you could be onto something there. I still think that there's there's improvement. I think that there's enough talent for them to be a, a difference maker. But uh, it's pretty hard to argue with uh, with those points. Uh, the next game, Houston at Cleveland. Cleveland minus 12 and a half. Big line there. The total is 48 and a half. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, the Texans shocked most of us. Um, definitely both of us in week one in their blowout of the Jags. I mean, the Jags won only one game last season. So let's let's not get too excited. Um, and it wasn't overly unexpected, I suppose. But we both know that um, we both definitely thought the Jags would win that game and win it pretty comfortably. So, um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they go against a, a, a playoff minute, a playoff bound team. Um, one we both think are going to win the AFC North and and an elite team, perhaps even at that. So certainly nothing to suggest that uh, in week one that the Browns have regressed in any way. I mean, they twice led the Chiefs by double digits, and other that other than that blown coverage against Tyreek Hill, they played a really really good game. I mean, the fumble when they uh, were trying to punt on the fourth and twelve in that uh, last quarter set up the go ahead uh, touchdown for the Chiefs. So kind of unraveled there for Baker and, and Cleveland. But, um, I mean, they were beaten by the, the best quarterback in the league. So nothing that they should be too worried about. And, um, yeah, they I think a strong bounce-back game against Texans at home. Uh, there's no way that I don't think, um, you know, the Texans are going to be that dynamic on offense again against this Browns defense. So comfortable win for the Browns, but uh, at that poison line of minus 12.5, no play for me. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's tempting to take – that line against this defense, but I mean, yeah. it's just for, for week two, it's just, it's too high with, with such a small sample size. The total actually started out at 47 has slowly crept up to 48 and a half over the last couple of days. And at 47, I was keen to play the overs, but I'm just not sold now. Um, I think that there could be really big points in this one. If the trends continue from, from week one for both of these teams. Um, but I'm just not sold on the Texans and yeah, as you mentioned, this one's a bit of a sit and watch for me. It's a uh, it's a no play. Anything else you wanted to add for this one? No, look, uh, the line the line there at forty eight and a half, like you said, forty seven was was a nice one. They've they've adjusted accordingly, and um, yeah, I think it's a sit out and watch. Even though I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, of a, a forty to ten kind of score line. So, um, but yeah, too early to be um, to be kind of having those those throwing those darts, I suppose, Nick. So. Yeah, stay out for me as well, mate. Beautiful. Well, from sit and watch to uh, my Must Super watch. Bowl favorites, <laughs> my Super Bowl favorites, the Los Angeles Rams at Indianapolis. Indy plus four. The total is forty-seven and a half. This is a huge game. This is an absolutely massive game. And and for those that kind of sit on red zone, I would recommend that you turn red zone off and just watch this game. I think this could be an absolute belter. And I love this Rams team. Anyone who's listened to the last couple of episodes, our, our season preview and the week one preview, know that without a doubt, I love this Rams team. And, and after 
after week one, they're not the number one DVOA team like I thought they might be, but they are bloody close to it. They are super impressive on both offense and defense. They've got the potential to get even better with some more time together as a unit, even though it looked like you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup had been catching passes from Matt Stafford for, for years, even though it's only been you know, in reality you know, a couple of months. But uh, the Colts just need to keep improving with Carson Wentz under center. And, and I think that they will. I think Carson Wentz has plenty of talent within himself. And I think he's just got to get back to, to being Carson Wentz. He's got to get back to being that bully you know, MVP candidate, that bully quarterback who trusts himself to make plays, whether it's in the air or on the ground. You know, Carson Wentz has talent. We know that. We've seen that. And it just seems like he's lacking some confidence. And, and, and there are plenty of reasons for that. I think, you know, my boys, my, my franchise destroyed Carson Wentz. And I really hope that he can get back to being who he is because he's a really impressive quarterback um, as much as he's had issues over the last couple of years. And, and I think that the Colts get there. Um, they would really have liked to have had an easier matchup in week two. They got pummeled by the Seahawks last week uh, on defense. And um, I just think that the Rams are too strong here, too strong, too quick, too fast, uh, too powerful, too dynamic, too athletic. I'm looking at the Rams line and the unders here. I'm just not sure how the Colts score much against this Rams defense. And I'm not sure how they stop the Rams offense. You know, if that trend continues from week one, I'm going the Rams minus four. And uh, a play on the unders at 47 and a half as well. And obviously, if that if that comes out even more, then that's a, a definite play on its own. But uh, Leper, how are you feeling? Yeah, look, couldn't agree more. I think it's a it's a must must watch game. It's it's an absolute belter, like you said. And the Colts, I think, were sneakily bad in week one. And I say that because they've snuck under the radar um, due to some other really poor performances, like the Titans and the Packers that we've already touched on. But um, they were never in it against the Seahawks. They they really weren't. They only scored um, a late junk time touchdown to make it a respectable margin of 12 points. But the Seahawks really controlled that game and, and the Colts were really never in it other than um, when they when Carson Wentz uh, threw that first touchdown pass in his new colours. But huge test for Wentz and, and that O-line against the Rams pass rush who dominated in week one. And of course, we'll keep getting better uh, as the season goes on and, and what we think, um, how the Rams can go all the way almost, uh, some of us. So, yeah, the, they were, the offense clicked into gear straight away, um, as you said. And, and the Stafford fit under McVay looks like a, a match made in heaven. I mean, we're only one week in, so time will tell. But really positive signs early for the Ram believers like yourself. But it's, it's eight straight losses now for the Colts in opening weeks in week one. So uh, the last five of those have been with different quarterbacks. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one for the Colts. I think um, they will improve, but really just a bit concerned about how they performed in week one. And with a really tough run to come, they've got the Titans, Dolphins and Ravens in the next three weeks, and they're all on the road. So it almost shapes as a bit of a must-win game here at home against the Rams, which is which is tough to say because they could easily be 0-5. Um, I don't expect that to happen, but yeah, I, I don't think they can sneak back to 500 here. And I think that minus four and a half is a really short line for the Rams. So I'm, I'm keen at the minus as well here, mate. Yeah, beautiful. And and like I said, that line's come in slightly to a flat four at the moment. So you could be getting even some even more value, even more value there, mate. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's a really good point that you make about the uh, the opening week losses for the Colts and and those last five with with a new quarterback. I know that uh, some Colts fans were hoping that uh, that Andrew Luck might might make a comeback this uh, this off season as opposed to uh, to Carson Wentz. Josh, why I'm I'm looking at you, mate. But um, 
look, I, I think that's a really good point. And, and, and they have shown some weakness in, in week one. And, and that stat about five different quarterbacks in, in week one over the last five years is, is damning. I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, since, since that Andrew Luck injury and, and the issues that he had, you know, how difficult it's been for, for Indy to kind of look at that, at that QB spot. And it's a real question mark for them. I, I, I really feel like this is their guy now for the next, you know, potentially the next decade, but you know, it's super important that, that Carson gets his confidence back and Frank Reich, I think is the man to do that. And, and I think that he's the right man in Indy. And I think that they can do some really good things, but I'm not sure this week is the week. Uh, Buffalo at Miami, Miami plus three and a half. The total is 47 and a half. What have you got for us? Yeah, I thought they were pretty solid Miami in week one. Obviously we both, we both bet against them, but um, it's always hard to go into Foxborough and win. And especially in week one. So kudos, kudos to them um, for going in and taking care of business against their division rival. And now they face another in the Buffalo bills this time. So they will be full of confidence heading back home with a win under their belt, but the Bills themselves pose a whole new challenge um, completely. And a team they've struggled mightily against over the past four seasons. They've lost seven of their past eight against the Bills, the Dolphins. So the Bills certainly um, had the wood over them and they came out of the block strong against the Steelers, as we've touched on, but they were unable to capitalise on that fast start and uh, were completely dominated in the second half. So no panic stations yet for, for my bills, but uh, I think they'll get back on track this week. I think the minus three and a half is tempting enough for me to jump back um, and back up my preseason confidence in the bills. So I think they'll get the job done. Um, but I think, yeah, Josh Allen, is a, it's a big bounce back game. Like I said, there's no props available yet for that game, but I'm, I'm keen to, to play some uh, Josh Allen props potentially depending where that line falls. But yeah, I'm keen on Buffalo minus three and a half here, mate. How about yourself, Nick? Yeah, like you, I think the Bills show that their offense can still roll. I mean, you, you mentioned that fast start against the Steelers, D, and I think while the Dolphins were, were impressive, and we, and we probably neglected them a little bit in the opening, talking about you know, outliers and and uh, yeah, impressive teams or, or not so impressive teams. Um, and, and while the Dolphins kept the the new look Pats offense to just sixteen points, I think that this Buffalo offense is a very different proposition for them. I know that the Finns defense is pretty strong, but I think that there's just a, a golf in class in this division matchup. And, and I'm with you, Matt. I, I like the, uh, the bills, the minus three and a half. It's uh, it's one of the bets of the week for me, I think. Um, and I'd be very surprised if, if that didn't get up, it's one of the stronger plays um, over the last couple of weeks for, from my perspective. And it seems like uh, you'd agree with that. Yeah, mate. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. Not, not in my uh, three best this week, but I think um, Buffalo go in and get the job done. I, I am respect, uh, respective of um, respectful, I should say, of Miami, but uh, I think I think Buffalo do get the job done at that minus three and a half. And like I said, keen to play around with some props in that game potentially, but um, unfortunately none released so far. So yeah, from there we move on to another All AFC matchup. Yeah, absolutely. New England at the New York Jets. The Jets plus five and a half. The total is forty-two and a half. I'm really tempted to play the Jets here, but there's no real rhyme or reason to it, to be honest. It's just a gut feeling. So I might leave it. I might play it for, for, for now, for recording purposes, for the podcast recording purposes. It's, it's a no play for me, but I mean, knowing me, the degenerate punter come, <laughs> uh, come Sunday night, I'll we'll probably have a, have a pineapple on the Jets at the line and probably regret it first thing Monday morning, but it's a no play for me. How about you, mate? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm a no play as well, mate. But I, I do think the Pats will go in and get the job done at, in Jersey. And um, I mean, the good thing was both both rookie quarterbacks looked really comfortable leading their teams in week one. So 
glad to see one of them will get their um, their first win this week. But yeah, a no play for me, mate. Well, what did you make just on that? And I know that, I mean, for, for all our listeners, we, we've got a bit of a run sheet. We, we go kind of game by game. We've got our plays and, and a couple of notes for each game. But um, what did you make of, uh, of Zach and, uh, and Mac? Zach and Mac. What, what did you Zach make of the, the two rookie quarterbacks? Yeah, well, there's your headline for, for the pregame, but uh, <laughs> for this one. But no, I, I thought both were pretty good. Um, Zach Wilson had, did have an interception, but he did look controlled. He, he looked like he, he, um, he belonged at the level for sure. Um, I suppose doubts kind of, um, there were some doubts on him being picked to it at the time, but um, after seeing some, some video footage of him and, and what he did in the preseason, I think those doubts have kind of got a bit quieter and, and he certainly um, proved he's right up to the level and, and worthy of that pick two uh, in week one. I mean, he played a pretty decent Carolina defense. Um, they're gelling. They've got a new head coach. They've got a they've got a whole new looking team really on offense. So um, give him some time. And as I said last week, I think he's going to be a really promising pros- prospect for the fact that Tony Romo thinks he could be the new um, Pat Mahomes. So that was enough to convince me. But I think um, both are going to be really great at the level. Mac Jones was controlled, confident again, and and definitely an upgrade on Cam Newton. It looked like already for the for the Pats. Disappointing that he couldn't. Um, lead his team to the win. Um, he definitely, they definitely had enough chances to pass to win that game against the Dolphins. I mean, they kicked um, three field goals um, when they got kind of near the red zone and um, just couldn't convert those um, those trips into touchdowns. So disappointing that they didn't get the home win early. But I think I think he'll get he'll get um, revenge this week and he will he'll win um, for the Patriots against the Jets this week. But yeah, any any similar thoughts or differing opinion there Nick no man I I, uh, I actually completely agree I think it's you know similar similar kind of doubts around uh, around Zach coming into week one and and probably more so in, into the preseason but, but like you said watching some footage from uh from camp and uh and obviously that that week one performance I think it's about time that the Jets had a had a gunslinger at QB and and it's nice to see I mean I'm I'm not a Jets fan but you know, I think that the league is better when the Jets are interesting um, and, and likewise, you, like you said about Mac Jones, I think he was just so calm and composed and, and, you know, looked like he, he was, uh, a veteran almost. I mean, clearly that he's not the finished product just yet, but it plays, plays the game the, the way that Bill Belichick wants to play in new England. Um, I think you're right. He's, he's a definite upgrade over what, uh, Cam Newton did last year in in new england and and i think that he's kind of the perfect qb to kind of lead new england over the next few years and and you'll see him over the course of this season i think step up more and and potentially take more uh responsibility in in some of those key moments but you know really happy with the way both of those guys performed in uh in their first pro start and you can't really ask for too much more than that and uh i think both fan bases have a have a right to be pretty excited about them but uh but next up we've got san francisco at philadelphia my boys the eagles plus three and a half total is 50 and a half again no play for me as as always on eagles games but it's gonna be really interesting to see how the eagles new look offense goes against this dynamic 49ers defense clearly a step up from the falcons leaky d unit but um i mean i was really impressed by the balance in the eagles offense um one of the things that i was most concerned about was going from from last season where you know we we really didn't utilize the run game and, and miles sanders who's a real good kind of downhill runner 
um, just not not utilize as much as he potentially should have. And and this year with Jalen Hurts coming in as as you know the undoubted uh, number one, that maybe they'd go go too far the other way. But I was really impressed with the balance on on offense and and um, you know it didn't look like there were too many weaknesses. I'm not saying that this is a, a bounce back year at any stage yet for the Eagles, but you know it's it's too early to tell. But how uh, how do you see this one? Oh, don't 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 uh, be fooled by his voice. He's 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 giddy with excitement. I'm looking at his face right here <laughs> over the screen, and he's he's Mate, got the Eagles you, cap on. He's up and about, Nick. But, you, um, you know, you know as <laughs> as much as anyone that you can never get too giddy about the Eagles this no. early in a season because it just it never pans no, out he, well. He's keeping the lid on it. <laughs> he is keeping a lid on it, and I, I and that's understandable. But I mean, it's hard to know if that week one. Um, was was it an outlier um, if their performance was made to look a hell of a lot better because of how bad the Falcons are or if this team has actually found some swagger under Jalen Hurts. Uh, I mean, that O-line was absolutely dominant with Jason Kelsey and our own man, Jordan Mulata. Yes, I'm going to claim him as our own on the punt return, but... Um, He's our own. More, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. He's our yeah, own. Yeah, we'll take him. Yeah, nice. He, he, was, he was brilliant, actually. And, and coming off the back of signing that four-year extension, um, he lived up to... Lived up to the hype and and um, worth money, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, they opened up a lot of options for Miles Sanders and even the rookie, Kenneth Gainwell, who got into the end zone, as he touched on, um, who has an amazing running uh, – great name for a running back, by the way, Gainwell. But, um, expecting yeah, it was some Jay- big gains. Expecting some big yeah. gains in the ground this week. <laughs> yeah, he'll keep gaining well, I think. Um, the O-line's going to put him in position to do that. And and Hurts put on a clinic. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. He completed 27 of his 35 passes, 264 yards, three touchdowns, added another 62 on the ground. He was he was as dynamic as he was in, in college. And um, the defense, again, that was awesome as well for, for the Eagles. They were all over Matty Ryan. They sacked him three times, limited him to only 164 yards. Uh, it was it was an absolutely brilliant display by the Eagles, um, no matter who the opponent was. So, I I, I really think uh, not a not a believer yet, but I think they can go on with it, Philly. Um, it's hard to know what the Niners really are after that first up assignment in Detroit. They led 38-10 halfway through the third quarter, and you thought that's it, twenty eight points up, cue on the rack. But Detroit resolutely fought back. I mean, they they Jared Goff had the ball in his hands. In just outside the um, Niners red zone, in, in Niners territory to potentially tie the game, can you believe? So, I mean, the injury bug, though, is hit again, though, for the 49ers. They've been cursed the last couple, well, since they made the Super Bowl. Um, Raheem the Dream, he's going to miss the whole year. He's going to for knee uh, knee surgery. That's going to so rule him out for the rest of the year. Um, Jason Ferret. Another cornerback who's had a horror run himself. He's had a, he's already um, missed a season with a torn ACL and he's done his Achilles as well. And now he's going to miss another full season. So an absolute cruel blow for Kyle Shanahan, who's who's had, like I said, that spate of injury since um, their Super Bowl loss. So I think Philly start 2-0 for the first time since 2016 and, uh, and really get the ball rolling in their season. And the 49ers have actually lost five of their last six, so, uh, five of their last six games when starting favourites. So I think the plus three and a half here for Philly um, is very, very enticing. So I'm making that a play, Philly plus three and a half. And um, as you'll hear, I'm a bit, I'm a keen on the line double um, as one of my best long shots. So um, the, the early double on the line double, uh, Philly three and a half and total 50 and a half. I think um, it's going to head over that as well. So 
but yeah, I, as a play, Philly three and a half for me. You're uh, you're making me nervous with the uh, the good vibes, <laughs> but no, you, look, you, you're right though, and, and the absolute disrespect to my own team to not mention that that O line and and the defense, I think in particular. I mean, they're two kind of staples of of Philly football, right? When the, when the offensive line is firing and when the defense is firing, you know, the Eagles are incredibly hard to beat, and and you know we we saw that in uh, in 2016, 17, 18. We we know essentially that O-line is the reason that, that Carson Wentz is not in Philadelphia anymore. Um, and, you know, if they can, if they can stay fit and firing, I think it was something like 15 out of 16 weeks last year, there was a change. Um, yeah. They only, they only had a, a same O-line starting lineup once over the course of, of the entire season last year. So if that, if that offensive line can stay fit and healthy, then, you know, it's going to make things so much easier for the likes of Jalen Hurts and, and Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. So, um, you know, big call, but uh, I like it and I hope you're right. And uh, we'll be celebrating again this time next week. But, uh, next up, New Orleans at Carolina. Another big game. Carolina plus three. The total is 44 and a half. And the Saints show that they're not going to be pushovers again this season, despite losing Drew Brees, despite losing Michael Thomas to start the, the year. Um, and it's, it is hard to tell whether it was a really impressive Saints performance or the Packers were just bitterly disappointing. And I think probably a little bit of both in, in a number of ways, but um, we'll, we'll touch on the Packers soon. We, we spoke about them at the top of the show. We'll touch on them again soon. But the Saints were ultra impressive in all factions of the game. According to Football Outsiders DVOA, ranked number one in defense, seventh in offense, and fifth in special teams. And, and um, for, for long-time listeners of the show, this is nothing new. I mean, we've been talking about the Saints as top 10 uh, in in all three factions of the game for, for a number of years, if not top five um, across defense, offense, and special teams. So this is nothing new. And uh, to see that they're still around that mark, despite losing those guys that, that we mentioned before, and despite kind of having a, a no-name offense at this point in the season, it's... Um, really impressive from the Saints so far. Obviously, really small sample size, and, and we've got a long way to go. But the Panthers' defense would be looking to show a bit more resistance at home than the Packers did in, in Jacksonville last week, which I actually I mentioned to you last week that I thought that that probably um, gave more of an advantage to Green Bay than it did to, to New Orleans, but uh, obviously it didn't turn out that way. But in the last couple of games between these two teams in Carolina, New Orleans have scored 33 and 42 points respectively. I think that... That continues. Uh, player prop for, for this one again. Looking at those Vegas lines and and uh, not much available on Aussie books yet, but we expect these lines to, to stay pretty similar. But Jameis Winston over twenty two and a half passing yards, I think, is way unders, and I think very reactive to kind of his low yardage in week one, which I, I don't think we'll see that again. We probably won't see that five touchdowns again, like like we spoke about earlier, but I'm not sure that he only has 150 passing yards too many times this year. I expect him to be up around the 280, 300 mark most weeks, um, yeah, regardless of who he's got at receiver. Um, but I expect the Panthers to put some points on the board too. In, in four of the last five matchups between these sides, the overs has saluted. But I'm, uh, I'm playing the Saints at the minus three, and I'll have a play on the overs at 44 and a half. What have you got for us? Yeah, look, I, I couldn't agree more with the Jameis um, line. As I said to you before, we just started recording. I thought that was a pretty tasty, tasty bet. Completely uh, agree. As there's not going to be too many times where he's going to be under that 200 yard mark. And 
225 seems a bit low um, for for this match. So I think that's a nice um, nice play indeed. And yeah, I, I agree. The Saints were were, were fantastic, and but the Packers, on the other hand, were utterly awful. They were unprepared, uninterested, and just plain awful. But uh, the Saints made them pay, and they picked up a morale boosting win, especially with the new makeup of their side <clears throat> on offense. So yeah, full full credit to um, Sean Payton and. And the crew, uh, I think um, famous Jameis was superb. Uh, and the efficient is the word that I would not usually associate with uh, Jameis Winston, but Absolutely. that's exactly what he was, like we touched on earlier. 148 yards um, from 14 of 20, five of those being touchdowns. Uh, and their defense was was fantastic. I thought they would continue to be great and they would, they would have to be to limit um, uh, Aaron Rodgers and 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 try and get to to the playoffs again. Uh, I've picked him as one of my wildcard teams uh, last week or last week when we did our season preview. So yeah, happy happy that they um, had a great start. But um, yeah, they I think they go on with it here and and make it a two and zero two and zero start to the season. Um, the Panthers did what they needed to against the Jets, so to get their win. Um, but this will be a really good test for them and see where they're at. Like I said um, last week as well, I think they're a sneaky. Wildcard team, um, I, I see them kind of finishing around that nine and nine and eight mark. So if they can pinch a win or two against in these games, and they're definitely going to be thereabouts. But um, yeah, their defense was really good. Um, they limited Zach Wilson for most of the day, but um, the yeah, man Brian Burns, I thought I'd have to quickly give him a mention. He got a he got a sack, so would have to give him a shout out. But um, the Saints have won their last nine road games against NFC South opponents, so I think they make it ten. And and I'm keen on the New Orleans minus three as well, mate. Yeah, like it. And uh, James Rosewarn, that one's for you, mate. Another Brian Burns mention. So we'll uh, we might put together a bit of a ding sound effect for you every time you mention <laughs> mention Brian Burns and uh, you'll have to jump on the show one time or, or a couple of times this week to, to give us some of your futures your famous futures bets uh, James so we'll uh, we'll chat to you soon but next up we've got the Denver Broncos at the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, one of the most disappointing franchises of week one were the Jaguars uh, got the Jaguars at plus six the total is 45 and a half what have you got for us yeah, not a game I'm I'm really interested in at all and don't want to get involved in. I mean, at first glance, though, the unders could be a bit of a play, um, but not willing to stick my neck out um, this early. So that line of 45 and a half, I don't think it gets to that. I think it um, probably stays under that with that Broncos Dean, but Broncos defense being so formidable. Um, but yeah, not something I want to um, want to play at, even though I do think it's going to be a pretty dour affair. I think the less said about the Jags, the better after that week one performance. But uh, they're the road team in this in this matchup, they've won six of the last seven. So um, that trends towards a Denver win, and that's what I expect to happen. But, yeah, not a game I want to get involved at, mate. Are you, how about yourself? No, I, I agree. There's not a whole lot to uh, to get excited about for this one. I think potentially that the Jags bounce back. I mean, that that was a horrible, horrible week one loss, as, as you mentioned. And that Texans team is terrible. I mean, there's no doubt about it, regardless of that result. And, and you know, if, uh, if the Texans – Prove me wrong here. Um, if they end up, you know, let, let's chat again in two months. And and if the Texans have a positive win-loss margin, I will take a bite out of my Eagles cap that I'm wearing on my head right now. But I can't <laughs> see that happening. That Texan side is terrible. But I'm not willing to wager on the Jags bouncing back just yet. I, I want to see some more improvement from Trevor Lawrence. Other than that, it's a sit and watch for me. But, um, you mentioned the, the unders there and the potential 
potential for the unders at 45 and a half. What's your, what, what's your benchmark? I mean, what would it, what could that total mark get to for you to, to say that that's a play? Put you on the spot here. Yeah, no, that's okay. I, I, I would like, I would have liked around 48 to 50 yep. would have been a, a really strong play for me to go unders. Um, I just think at that 45 and a half, um, Look, I, I don't expect it to be a 24-21 result, but, you know, that's that's getting cutting it a bit fine. But um, I don't think the Broncos will allow Jacksonville to score any more than two touchdowns. So that's being said. Um, yeah, it really depends on what Denver scores. So, um, yeah, you know what? The more I think about it, it could be a play, but um, not one I've I've put down the run sheet. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it, but we'll tweet something out if we, we might reassess before the game uh, on Monday and, and, and tweet something out if we think it's a strong play, but look, I'll, I'll go away and have a think about it. But the more I think about it in my head and scenarios, it might, it might be a play. But, there you go. You're um, welcome. No, I, the, I, might, if you're a degenerate and want to chuck it into a multi, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> we'll would not recommend that. I mean, we're not going to, uh, to force your hand in any, any way or another, but uh, no, look, I, I agree. I think that that line for me is around that 48 and a half kind of mark. Yeah. No, 48, 48 can be a really important number in that totals market. Um, and uh, you know, if that got up to, if that market came out to 48 and a half, I, I think I'd be on that. Um, even yeah. 47 and a half potentially, but 48 and a half definitely. Um, but for me, it's a sit and watch. It's a no play at 45 and a half. Uh, what's next? Minnesota at Arizona. The Cardinals minus four and a half. The total is 51 and a half. And I think what we can say pretty confidently right now is that the Cardinals are a much better team. Let's just put that out there right now. Their offense is humming straight out of the gate. And if not for a couple of silly turnovers, it could have been an even bigger margin over the Titans last week. Um, not to mention Chandler Jones, as you've already mentioned, but you know, those renewed efforts at the, the defensive player of the year crown, three sacks in the first quarter, five of the game on Ryan Tannehill, who is a really good quarterback. Let's not forget that despite the poor showing, but uh, we know it's a small sample size. We're only a week in, but Arizona ranked 13th in offensive efficiency and second in defensive efficiency after the first week. The Vikings in the same metrics ranked 16th and 18th in those same categories. The line opened at three and a half. And although it feels like it could be a bit of a trap, I mean, it it, it seems like a really easy decision. This one, I looked at this and, and you know, when the lines opened at three and a half, I went, yep, Cardinals minus three and a half. That's, that's my play, uh, play of the week. And... and Settled down, had a bit of a think about it. It could be a little bit of a trap game. I think the cards potentially have the the, the potential to let us down. I mentioned at the top of the show that they're probably going to lose a game or two that they should win, um, and they'll probably make that up on, on the other end. But I'm betting on the Cardinals winning these types of games to be able to bank on that wild card spot that we we spoke about earlier in the in the season, in, in the preseason, I should say. Um, and it just seems like the markets agree, having uh, having gone out to, to four and a half from that open of, of three and a half. What about you, mate? Yeah, look, it's it's one thing we probably did get right in week one is that the cards are going to be pretty good. Um, to tick them off at the plus last week um, was a nice start, but it was a sick beat, absolute sick beat, as I touched on <laughs> a little bit earlier, watching that last last quarter play out against the Titans. Um, Makes things interesting. So, yeah, the, one of our long shots was... Um, the cards plus two and a half in, into over 51 and a half double. And of course, with the score being at 38, 13 <laughs> heading into the last quarter, I was pretty, pretty good terms with myself, but um, 
you know, just needed a junk time touchdown from Tannehill or an early field goal by the Cards to make it a four-possession game and put it completely out of reach. But no, none of that. It was just a cue in the rack sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, that quarter played out to a donut each and um, we missed missed the saluting the, uh, the long shot by half a point. But thankfully, um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins got his passing yards. So something, something for the punters. But, uh, yeah, the Cardinals were brilliant. Um, as we, yeah, we don't need to um, touch on um, Chandler Jones again. He was unbelievable. Kyler Murray turned his two um, forced fumbles into 14 points as well. So he was pretty special as well, throwing four touchdown passes. Um, he did it with his feet as well. He had the whole offense humming, as you said, and, Back at home, I think that continues against a pretty, I shouldn't say ordinary, but I have in say, my uh, notes ordinary. here, but a pretty ordinary, pretty ordinary outfit. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the games that um, the Vikings used to win in their sleep, those week one games against the Bengals. But um, they needed to fight back from 14 points just to force overtime, um, which was the last kick of the game. And it was the first time since overtime was introduced, I think it was around 50 to 40, 40 to 50 years ago, that the NFL, um, an NFL game was tied at 0.00 in the final quarter and then again in overtime. So um, I did see that pop up when I was watching the match um, on Red Zone and it was a crazy match and a really hard loss to take for the Vikings. Um, and they now have to travel to the West Coast to take on a hot to trot Arizona team. And yeah, I'm not really not sure how they stopped that offense. Um, and if they can't stop Chandler Jones, um, like the Titans were unable to, a blow up be on the cards. So pardon the pun there. But I think Arizona are going to be too good. And I liked the I liked them straight away as well at minus four and a half. Yeah, you mentioned... Uh, we're in agreement there. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, Kyler Murray doing it on the ground and through the air last week. I think that he, he does it again. And no props at the moment, but keep an eye on Kyler Murray props because I think that this could be a, a, a field day for, for Kyler. And uh, yeah, another, uh, we might see those MVP odds shorten for Kyler Murray, like you touched on in our season preview. And that could be a, it could be yeah, an early you, win for you. You can cash out. Well, potentially. You, yeah, cash out. Yeah, you told me it wasn't a smoky, even though it was 25 bucks or thereabouts. <laughs> but what, what would be a line for you to play at Kyler Murray? I mean, you're t- probably talking about rushing yards for him at this stage. Yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one, but I'm thinking that kind of around that somewhere between 35 and 45 is probably anything below 35 is a must play. 45 is is probably still a play. Over mm. 45 is is getting tough. Yeah, and, and it makes, go, it a yeah. bit, makes it a bit harder, but I mean, it really depends if you think that that the the Vikings defense is is as bad as they showed last week. I mean, they were they were so we use the word efficient and, and inefficient a lot on this program, but they were really inefficient in in both facets of, of the game. And um, you know, it's not something that that we're used to seeing from Minnesota. And like you said, it's those types of matchups that you expect them to. You just expect them to win. You, you kind of go into that game knowing that the Vikings are gonna uh, are gonna play a style of of football that makes them really hard to beat, especially in week one, they kind of come and, and they bully teams, but that's not the Minnesota Vikings that we saw last week. And, you know, if the Vikings defense has regressed again, then, you know, Kyler Murray could have, you know, 90 rushing yards and 400 passing yards. I mean, you know, dude could just have a field day and, and, you know, that, that MVP market could come, come in from 25 to 15 pretty quickly. Um, and you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad bet. So, uh, 
I think we're both in agreement on the on the cards and, and both pretty impressed with uh, with what they did last week. So next up, Atlanta Falcons at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay minus 11 and a half. It's a, uh, it's a big line for an old man on offense. The total is 51 and a half. And the champs put up 31 in a get-out win against the Cowboys last week. And I feel like they probably do something similar this week to the Falcons defense. I'm just not sure that Atlanta can put up 29 against the Bucks D. Um, I'm not even sure that they can put up 14 against the Bucks defense, given they could only manage six against the Eagles last week. And I'm looking something like 31-10 type of scoreline. I think that the Bucks do it pretty easily. Uh, I'm going to have a little play at the Bucks line. Uh, it's not a huge play, just given it's only week two, and that is a double-digit line. It's it's tough to take, but I'll have a little play. But I think that the real play here is the unders. Um, under 51 and a half. Like I said, I, I see a 31-10 type of scoreline. Um, I'm just not sure. You know, I, I know that the Bucks can put up points on on the Falcons' D. I'm just not sure if the Falcons can put up points on the Bucks' D. How about you, mate? Yeah, I think it's a great call, mate, on the unders. I think um, while we saw plenty of points in the season opener, that was, um, yeah, two, two completely different offences um, that are going to be in probably the top five or ten in the league. So maybe the books have reacted to that and I think that the Bucks are going to blow out the Falks, but mm. yeah, like you said, it's hard to, hard to see them um, putting up two touchdowns. So the Falcons look terrible against your boys. And, and like you said, it's, it's really like it's hard to see them scoring, scoring two, two or more touchdowns. So even a 37, 14 scoreline works in our favor here, mate. So I think that unders at 51 and a half is a really nice play. So yeah, have to agree. Well, it could be an interesting one for, for lock of the week. We've had a couple. We're we're in agreement on a couple of these lines, so we'll have to have a, a quick chat at the end of uh, end of the program to try and work out what our lock of the week is. But uh, next up, Dallas at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers minus two and a half, total fifty five and a half. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, from from the Bucks um, to the Cowboys, who um, they obviously pushed the reigning Super Bowl champs all the way in that season opener we just touched on, but. That already seems like forever ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not even a week old. But Dak looked awesome, um, perhaps even better than how he was playing pre-injury last season. I mean, that's you know very early, very early signs. But he was in MV caliber, MVP caliber form last season before the injury, and he looked so composed and in, in the pocket uh, against the Bucks, against that unbelievable um, front seven. So his passing was precision-like and. Yeah, he just looked awesome. He didn't have to use his legs too much to kind of get himself out of trouble. That that O line held up not too bad. So um, if they can, if they can, and throw in Zach Martin this week, he'll be back from the um, the COVID list. So um, with Zach Martin protecting him as well, I think um, they're they're a chance to um, to go well and just get that win on the board. Um, the cap, the defense was pretty good as well. They had a chance to ice that game once um, Greg Zerline put him in front with um, just over a minute left. I mean, but. Instead, of course, that defense of the Cowboys allowed Brady and his team to march down the field and and they lost a heartbreaker. But yeah, the Chargers offense, well, well, definitely not as many weapons as the Bucs. It's it's still pretty good. So um, you know, Justin Herb, as we've touched on already, um, proved his class of maturity um last week in week one, and he converted four consecutive third down plays in what turned out to be the game's final drive against Washington. And and he was 14 of 19 overall on third down. So a really great, um, great first up performance for the reigning rookie of the year, and a great sign for the Chargers, who in seasons past probably would have lost that match. So, their defense though is is the worry for mine. Um, um, while that secondary is certainly not as 
quite as leaky as the Cowboys. They did only rank 23rd in, in defence last year. And, and with Dak firing and um, surely Zeke having a bit more of a say in, in the game this week with Zach Martin back, uh, I think the Cowboys can get it done. But I'm not overly confident and I can't bring myself to taking Dallas here. And I know I think you're in the same boat. So no play for me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Dak Prescott and how comfortable he was in the pocket. And I think that, that Dallas offensive line, is so important. I mean, it allows it allows Dak to do what Dak does, which is you know, have time to to be composed, like you said, and and is we, we know what he can do with with that arm. Um, the the question mark on the Cowboys' offense is what are they doing with Zeke? I mean, you've got a bully running back, and and you know, there's so much talk about whether you pay running backs elite money. Or not whether you can get the same sort of production out of you know later round draft picks or or whatever, but I mean they've paid him, they've paid him already. Surely they've got to use him, and it just seemed it seemed bizarre that you know, they just kept throwing the ball, throwing the ball, and and especially you know late in the game when when the the, the score line is close and, and you think surely they've just got to run the ball, they've got to run the ball and and you know run down the clock. Um, they they just don't do it, and and I'm not sure, you know, what's in that decision making for uh, for Dallas. But my first thoughts were, were Dallas at the plus line. But you you talked about um, what Brady did last week, and you know Brady put up 30, 379 and four on the Cowboys, taking out of the equation things like you know veteran leadership, um, football IQ, etc. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Right now, Justin Herbert is a more talented quarterback than Tom Brady is, and um, you know he might not have all the weapons that that someone like a um, a Tom Brady has in 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 Tampa Bay. But I think you know I, I'm concerned about what Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen could do against that Cowboys secondary. I don't know where this one sits with with Dallas. I, I don't know where it sits with LA. I think that the the really Chargers offensive the, the Chargers offensive talent. You know, I think he's improving and they've brought in Joe Lombardi, noted offensive coach. Um, he's the new OC in LA. Um, that that total line, thinking about points, the total line opened at 52 and a half and that's already in the space of 24 hours or, or 48 hours has crept up by three points already. I mean, the, the trends in this one are just kind of too hard to, to play against. And, and like you said, it's a no play for me. Um, any final thoughts on this one? No, look, I'm, I keep going back and forth. Um, like you, my initial thoughts was Dallas. The more you talk about Justin Herbert and, and that offense, the more it kind of swings back the other way. It's it's in um, it's in LA as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's a stay out and watch and, and just hope for a nice game, a, a big game from both quarterbacks um, and and for me as well. But it's trying, <laughs> excuse me, trying to toss up whether to play Dak or. Or Tom this week, I I ended up playing Tom over Dak last week, and it worked out. Just I think Tom got one more point with that extra touchdown pass, but yeah, I think I'll have to play Dak. I think he's in for a big game, but yeah, not not something I could bet at um, in this game at all. Because like I said, I'm I'm tossing up with both teams, so a really tough one. But um, we'll should be a good watch. Play. Should yeah, be a good it watch. should be a really good fun watch. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Tennessee at Seattle. Seattle minus. Five and a half. The total is 52 and a half. The Cardinals gashed the Titans last week, as, as we mentioned before. So it's scary to think about what Russell Wilson could do cooking in his home kitchen. You've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Having flummoxed what is 
normally a pretty stout Indianapolis Colts defense on their own turf. Um, and we know that it's a, it's a long flight West for, for Tennessee, having never beaten Seattle on the road as the underdog. And uh, we know how strong the, the Seahawks are at home against East Coast teams, especially early in the season. But look, I mean, if the Titans don't turn things around on, on both sides of the ball, this could be another devastating loss, another big win for Seattle on the cards. I, I, I'm finding it really hard to bet against Seattle here. And, and I think that they win by at least a touchdown on current form and potentially even more based on, on what the cards did last week. Um, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, it's a no play for me, but um, to your point, yeah, the Seahawks have won uh, 17 of their last 19 games at home against AFC opponents. Not necessarily mean that they're from the West, uh, from the East Coast, but 17 of 19 against their, their interconference rivals. So uh, Russell was definitely cooking early against the Colts and, and they backed him up on the defensive end. Um, as you touched on, the Titans were just awful, but yeah. Um, um, yeah, willing to give them a pass mark from the COVID interruptions and stuff. And I think I'll put that down as an outlier. And I still, they might, I still think they're the team to come out of the AFC South. So I still think they're going to be thereabouts. Um, but um, I've also thought the Seahawks might be the worst division in the NFC West, which is just crazy to think after what they did in week one. But that NFC West, as we know, is absolutely stacked. Um, and I had to put Seahawks as my last team because I predicted the Rams would win it. And I've got cards and, and the Niners making their playoffs is a wild card. So crazy, crazy to think that the Seahawks could be last in, in a division. But um, that's how stacked the NFC West is. Um, but, yeah, I don't think the Seahawks – we know the Seahawks are going to be strong at home. And I, but I, I do feel like the Titans, they could just pull off a shock in, in a bounce-back game. But, yeah, so a game I'm staying out of and and I'll watch, I'll watch and, and learn from this one. But uh, I can't argue why – I can't argue against you why you why you'd like to take Seattle at that line though. No, it is look, it's it's a it is a tough one because Tennessee could be anything. We know we know how good they can be when they're when they're fit and firing uh, on offense, but yeah, certainly didn't show that last week, and um, I can't uh, I can't play them this week. So I'm on the on the Seahawks. But Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs at Baltimore. Baltimore the home team plus three and a half. The total is fifty four and a half. I said last week about the Chiefs, they won, but again, the Chiefs failed to cover the spread against the Browns in what was admittedly a, a really entertaining game to watch. And, and this one's a really interesting one as well, because normally you'd say that this line is pretty spot on with these two teams, but I'm just not sure that this is a normal Baltimore Ravens franchise and missing so many players on both sides of the ball. Um, the open line of, of two and a half was a definite play. Having moved out to more than a field goal, I'm a little more hesitant. It's probably still a play for me. And obviously, if it comes back into three or less, um, it's definitely a play. But it's certainly not a big play at the three and a half um, unless that comes back in. How do you feel about this one, mate? Yeah, mate, good shopping if you got the two and a half because that was one of my best bets when we spitted these. Um, mm. I've had to adjust that to three and a half now um, for our play. But I'll still stick with the the minus three and a half. Um It'll be the fourth fourth time um, in a row or fourth consecutive season that these teams have met. And, of course, the fourth instalment of Mahomes versus Jackson. And Mahomes is a perfect 3-0 against Lamar. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues. But uh, after seeing the Raiders, uh, the Ravens against the Raiders, uh, I think Patty and, and the Chiefs can have a field day. And uh, if they can limit that running game of the Ravens, it's going to be a big win for the Chiefs. So, you know, the Ravens, though, despite losing all three of their 
first choice running back still ran the ball for 189 yards against the Raiders, which if you can believe it was the 41st regular game in a row that the Ravens have notched up over hundred rushing yards. Uh, so just crazy. Uh, the next highest was six. So they're, they're far and away. That's what they're built on the defense and the run game, as we know from Ravens teams in the past, but as you said, and what you touched on, it doesn't quite feel like the same Ravens outfit because we know, you know, a, a fully healthy Ravens team probably would have taken care of business in uh, Las Vegas last week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even even though that line has shifted out of point, I'm still siding with Kansas City at the minus three and a half here, but um, certainly not as confident as I once was when it was below a field goal, but still happy to be on the Chiefs. Yeah, agreed. Agreed on all that. Who do you think gets the uh, the bulk of the carries this week for the Ravens? I still think it has to be Tyson Williams. He showed enough. Um, he, he scored that great touchdown on the fourth down play, but obviously Lamar's going to be looking to keep the ball himself. He did fumble a couple of times, including that huge one in overtime that ended up um, being the costly mistake that um, that lost the Ravens the game. But he was pretty electric as well. You know, one of those touchdown passes early when he weaved in and out and and threw it to the back of the end zone to hit uh, Hollywood Brown um, was unbelievable and, and something only Lamar Jackson could do. So, um, they'll have to lean on him. He's going to have to be superhuman all year for the Ravens to have success because that receiving core, while it's okay, there's no stars. I mean, Sammy Watkins um, will be playing against his former team that he won a Super Bowl with, obviously. he He's not the answer. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. They lost their, 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 their rookie that they were pretty high on. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be – I won't say a tough season because the Ravens are good enough to cover – cover those losses. But um, yeah, I think against, against the, um, the, the star power of Kansas city, I don't think they can, they can match him. So yeah, I still think that's a good play minus three and a half, mate. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think just, uh, just let Lamar call his own plays for the rest of the season. Yeah. Just <laughs> take a couple of step backs, let the, let the O-line do its business. Give him a, give him a couple of seconds and uh, let him decide what he wants to do with the ball and just let him run. Uh, I'm not sure what else they can do at this point yeah, it's not a on, bad uh, on offense, but uh, no, I'm with you, mate. Uh, even though it's not a not a, a confident play, I think the Chiefs minus three and a half, and, and obviously if that comes back into three flat or less, that it's a uh, it's a definite play. But, uh, last but not least, Monday night football: Detroit at Green Bay. Back to Lambeau Field, Green Bay minus eleven and a half, which is insane in my eyes. But the total is forty eight and a half. What about you, mate? How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a fizzer for Monday Night Football, isn't it? Considering what happened, we saw in Week One. If the if that same Packers outfit turns up um, this week, it's going to be an absolute disastrous watch. But I couldn't believe what I was watching last week with Aaron Rodgers. Um, it was probably arguably his worst game of his career, and and surely it can't be a repeat. I mean, perhaps he came in unmotivated, un, you know. But uh, yeah, I think surely he comes out to prove a point on Monday Night Football in prime time. Um, Proven points of the doubt as the haters, but however, with Aaron's demeanor lately and his status in the game, maybe he doesn't need to. Maybe, maybe he's just kind of um, being that um, that stubborn man that we know he is. But um, yeah, I, I expect a big bounce back performance as probably the majority of us do. Um, the Dan Campbell era got off to a pretty shaky start in Detroit, and when they fell behind 38-10, but yeah, to their credit, they fought back and um, and almost won the game in the final possession. I tied the game, which is. Crazy to think, but um, I suppose the perhaps the most pleasing thing for fans in the Motor City was um, finally solving their run problem um, that has plagued the franchise for over a decade, and that was with the one-two punch of 
DeAndre Swift um, and the former Packer, Jamal Williams, who who went mm. uh, over to their NFC North rivals um, to get paid. And um, they looked dangerous in week one. They both both scored a touchdown. Um, both looked good in the passing game as well with Jared Goff. So, yeah, it's something to watch out for for Detroit. Um, but um, the Lions have lost 11 of their last 12 against NFC North opponents. But not a game I can get excited about. And, um, yeah, there's no play here for me, mate, even though that um, we know that, you know, the Green Bay could easily cover, but um, it's yeah, it's not a play I want to get involved at. Um, but that I know you're keen potentially on the, uh, the the total points line at 48 and a half, which is doesn't look like a bad play. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I just think that that line that line of 11 and a half is just. I mean, that's incredible given the Packers lost by a million points yeah. <laughs> last week in 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 neutral, you know, at a neutral field. But historically, and and with the talent that the Packers have on offense. If they come to play, Green Bay should annihilate the Lions this week at at Lambeau Field. But I'm just too scared to back it after after the panting that they they took from the uh, the undermanned Saints offense last week, and I just can't in good faith take them or ask any other punter to take them to win by this much, even if they really should bounce back, like you said, against the uh, the 29th ranked Detroit defense. Detroit ended up scoring 33 against the Niners D last week, and they should get some more chances to put some points on the board here in prime time. We know that the Packers have issues on defense, both on the ground and in the air. And and like you touched on, yeah, that one-two punch of Swift and, uh, and Williams uh, look dangerous. And uh, I think that they can probably put some more points on the the scoreboard this week again. So I'm on the overs because I think that the Packers offense can't be as bad as, as they were last week. I, I don't think they can be that bad again all year. Um, and I'm not sure what it was. I I said to you in the, uh, in the season preview that I think that Rogers and Adams are, are gunning for that 2000 receiving yard mark this season in, in Rogers last year, if, if not something bigger, you know, team wise, but um yeah, what they what they showed last week was just disgusting, and I think that they do get better. But I think that on the on the other side, Detroit have opportunities to score against this shaky Packers defense. So the overs for me is the play. Um, if that comes out, my my line is probably about the fifty and a half, fifty one. I was going to say you you can definitely see like a, a 30, 21 kind of score line. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, that if the total stays like that, it's, it's not a bad play. And to be honest, the if um yeah I, I don't see that 11 and a half coming in either I, if anything it might go the other way which yeah which might end up being a play for the lions because even though they won their um their last four against the lions the packers they've all been pretty tight so um and, and as we saw they were down and out last week and somehow clawed their way to to cover the line so <laughs> they could be doing could be could be see something similar this week but yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a bit of a Bit of a fizzer for a Monday night, but anyway, we'll we'll it's, get the um. It's it's a strange we'll get some one. Good I mean, matchups I, later in the day. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I don't think the Packers will be that bad on offense again all year, but you just can't trust them to win by you know two touchdowns essentially at that line. Um, after what they after what they showed last week, so um, that's that's where we're at. I'm I'm on the overs, no play for for Ryan, but. Uh, that could change potentially. Lock of the week. We haven't uh, we haven't discussed this off air like we no. normally would, kind of pre-show. But um, there's a there's a few Let's there. Do it on the fly. We've got the Chiefs. Obviously, I, th- I think we're we're both on the Chiefs line, but potentially not that confident 
on that one. Uh, the under 51 and a half, Atlanta at Tampa Bay is potentially a play there. The Cardinals minus four and a half. We're in agreement. What else have we got? The Rams uh, minus four and a half. We the Rams minus on. four and a half. I don't New mind. Orleans minus three and a half. Yeah, we both like Pittsburgh at the minus. Like we, we actually agree on pretty much everything You're this week. There was no the Bills, heads, but... Bills minus three and a half. That could be the one. Bills could be. Could be. I'm not as confident on that. I know. And yet, and our, we also have our um, three best bets, and the only one that we've agreed on in there is the Arizona one. So that that makes sense to me for that to be the the uh, the lock. But I'm just as happy to sway to the Tampa Bay Falcons game being the unders either as well. But um, well, you picked it last week, so I'm going to pick it this yeah, week. I'm you making an executive executive decision. Executive decision is. Uh, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, under 51 and a half. So that's our like lock it. of the week. Yep. And uh, hopefully we're back on an even keel and, and back at 500 this time next week. Yeah, we need we need to bounce back here because I that's know the, um, the grief we're going to get if we, if we don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. But we, we do know that week one's tough and I'm hoping that week two and onwards is a little bit easier. But um, you mentioned your three best bets. What have you got for yep. us with your, your best this week? Yeah, so my three best, my number one was Kansas City at minus two and a half, but I'm still keeping that in there, even at the three and a half at time of record, as is uh, I really like the Arizona Cardinals minus four and a half and the LA Rams at minus four and a half. There's a couple others um, that I was keen on that we mentioned, but they're my three best for the weekend. And a couple of long shots, um, a couple of line doubles. Uh, I've got Cincy um, covering. So Cincy plus two and a half with the over 45 and a half, and that can get about 375. And then uh, Philly as well to cover and the overs. So Philly plus three and a half over 49 and a half against the San Francisco 49ers. So they're, they're my two long shots in my player prop, as we touched on earlier, was Antonio Gibson to rush for over 68 and a half yards against the Giants on Thursday night football, Friday morning, our time. Like it, mate. I've got uh, pretty similar. I've gone... Pittsburgh minus five and a half. We've got the cards as you do. Uh, Arizona minus four and a half. Uh, the Atlanta Tampa Bay under fifty one and a half was pretty strong on. And uh, and the Rams. I think the same as you. The Rams would would probably be the other one for me if if we had an extra one. But my long shots: New Orleans um, minus three and the over forty four and a half at three dollars seventy five. But shop around. You can sometimes get up to four or four twenty five with with some of those line and, and total doubles. Uh, and obviously Tampa Bay minus eleven and a half and the under fifty one and a half uh, as we mentioned before three dollars sixty. But again, shop around, see what you can get. And that player prop that I'm super keen on, having a big play at Jameis Winston over two hundred twenty five and a half passing yards. Um, Thinking that'll be closer to two eighty. I think there's a big, there's a big differential there in uh, in my prediction to what the line is. So that's my uh, my big player prop of the week. Um, that's uh, that's it for uh, for the show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook Punt Return Podcast, Instagram at NFL Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and as. Thanks for tuning in as always. Once again, I am Nick Splitter at Nick Splitter on Twitter. You can catch Ryan Lapore on Twitter at Ryan Lapore. We'll be back next week with the punt return for week three. Any final words? 
No, awesome, mate. Let's uh, let's get this lock home and uh, enjoy another awesome week of football. Um, and yes, we'll tweet out a same game multi for for our on Friday morning for the Washington Giants game. So keep an eye on that on our Twitter page. And go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds.